As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Legend Mark Zumoff getting this started right. Welcome to the Sixers Talk Podcast. Danny Pommel's Paul Hudrick rocking out once again. Thank you for subscribing at NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. Wherever you get your podcasts, we appreciate those five-star ratings coming in, those comments, suggestions, questions, as well as um, the wins racking up for the 76ers. 12-0 at home. First time they've been 12-0 at home since uh, Wilt Chamberlain was walking these streets. I do want to say thank you to Pickup Truck Chuck. Uh, Steve Graham, who's walking out, and uh, Ben Barry, our esteemed producers. And uh, before we get to the basketball, uh, pickup truck Chuck was playing uh, football, and he said he feels like a 73-year-old man because he can't keep himself together. 74-year-old. Yeah, he's uh, actually in his 20s, so yeah, that, that gives you. <laughs> he, it only gets worse, Steve. He drives the pickup truck. He's He probably sleeps in the back of that thing. Who knows? But uh, Ben Barry here. Not good for the back. Or maybe uh, it is good for the back. I don't know. Maybe. Because it's stiff. Maybe there's a little bed. Maybe he has a little yeah. cushion. Um, ben Barry here, who is uh, the youngest boy of seven, and he is spoiled, and he acts uh, like it. No, I'm one of seven. I have two older brothers. You're the I'm, youngest boy of seven. That's what I said. Young. That sounds. That just sounds like bad English and a little confusing. Well, you know what? This is... I'm not spoiled. I'm just the only one with talent. This is me and... Paul's podcast. So you just listen to what we say. Okay, Ben? Okay. <laughs> won't be up in the morning. Watch. <laughs> Keep playing with me. Uh, hey, uh, great times with the 76 Why well, we can kind of have some fun here on the podcast. Um, I mentioned they're 12 and 0 at home. Uh, we're coming to you after the Raptors victory. Um, another back to back for this team. Uh, we enjoyed the way they demolished the Cleveland Cavaliers. We didn't enjoy the way they finished against the Raptors, but we'll leave that by the wayside because there are a lot of good things to talk about with this team. Uh, do you want to start with Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons' aggression, which That's is sure, which has been something enjoyable to watch because we've kind of called for that, and here they are delivering. I do have something controversial, which I know you will Ooh. will get your back up a little bit, but um, <laughs> you know what to say. You yeah, know what does it? But uh, it's like it's like. My mom, my girlfriend, and you are yeah. the people that know how to push the buttons. I like being roped in with those people. <laughs> those are good people. People who love Paul. I am in board <laughs> with people who love level-headed Paul. And uh, I, I, this aggression specifically has been good to watch because the Sixers needed it so bad because these are dudes you're dependent on. You know, Tobias Harris, Like, who wants to hear about him not being overpaid all season long because he's not delivering on his $180 million contract? And – you, you can see that Tobias, it, you can hear in his postgame comments that he realizes and hears how people feel, 
and he's done something about it by being more aggressive with the basketball, shooting it better. Not that he didn't want to shoot it well, but he's been making shots and getting to the line and making a difference when it comes to driving the ball to the hoop. I don't necessarily think that it's a – if anyone was in his ear, if anyone got through to him, it was Brett Mm -hmm. because Brett's been saying it. Um, Since Brett made those comments about him wanting to have that scores mentality – you know, we had that bad stretch, but since then he's been he's been really good, and he's been even better lately. Uh, t- today, to, or the Raptors game was the biggest example of that. Yeah, uh, pl- above, play, played the most minutes, yeah. uh, finished with the most points. Game high, game yeah. high, twenty six, four of eight from three, and the biggest thing is uh, this team, Nick Nurse, above all above all other teams, they say I'm taking away Joel Embiid, I'm taking away Ben Simmons. Now go try to beat us, right? You know what I mean? Or to try to beat, you know, but someone else try to beat me. You would think the so, Sixers are equipped to do that. Well, that's what yeah. I'm saying. So yeah. that's that's why it was so big for Tobias Harris. Harris had 18 points in the first half because he would, he had that mentality. He's they this the, again. The Raptors said basically, all right, we're going to put Kyle Lowry on Tobias Harris. Didn't work out so well. Right. Uh, first play of the game, there's a screen. He gets lost in. Then he goes. He takes it right at Gasol. Because listen, for all of Marcus Gasol being a very good defender on Joel Embiid one on one, he's not really a rim protector. So you can go at the rim, you can go at him. But then I was impressed that when Ibaka got into the game, because that is what Ibaka does. Ibaka is a rim protector. Tobias was still being aggressive, still taking the ball to the rim. And the biggest difference I've noticed, other than just pure volume and aggressiveness, is attacking the rim. We're basically going inside out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Going inside out, letting the threes kind of come and not forcing them. But when they're there, taking them and not thinking twice. Uh, Attacking closeouts. So when you know a, a guy a guy is flying out and try to contest, going by him, maybe pulling up for a little fifteen footer that he can hit with a decent regularity and enough that you feel comfortable with him taking it. Um, I'm, I'm there is you know one person in this room that is not a big Tobias fan. But oh, are we doing over that? the last few? Uh, I think that person can kind of eat some crow. I think because Tobias has been pretty darn good, and I don't think they've Ben been- Barry. Nope. <laughs> no eating crow. No. Why okay. so stubborn? I mean, they don't bro. beat I mean, the Raptors today without him scoring 26 points. It was I mean, the most points in the game. For do it in the playoffs. Right. I'd be impressed. All right. Well, the guy's only had one shot in the playoffs. I mean, I mean so. he'll get another chance this year. Yeah, he will. Unless he continues, you know, to stink it up. He's not Stink? St- yeah. How has he stunk? He's had two bad Literally, look at it. Go on basketball reference and look at the game log. Two bad games. Play better. Two. I mean, he's stubborn, man. You're not getting anything out of him. It's two bad games. I like those uh, little jazz fingers you threw up, though, when you were doing it, too. Anybody watching on YouTube, uh, forgive my hood. It's a little cold in here. It is cold. It's the only reason I'm wearing the jacket. I'm not doing this. I don't have any lettuce up here, so this is what you're getting. Um, Yeah, Tobias Harris, man. I mean, we've, on this podcast, documented the the pains. You, You have preached patience. I will say that. I have been more deliberate in saying that I've been disappointed in the way he's performed. I've tied in some of his shooting woes to... Uh, his preseason performance, which, which all those things are true. We can't take those things away from what he's begun, what he's become over these past couple games. But you know what? I, I might be a worrier. I, like I told people before, it comes with the dad package. But, you know, we this dude sat here in front of us and told us he wanted to be a 50-40-90 guy and then starts the season like that. I mean, it, it call, makes you want to worry. Um, considering his performance. Don't look me up and down like that. I see your eyes. I see the wheels turning. I'm just ingesting all this. I'm getting it all. But uh, we're happy that Tobias has come into his own. The team needed it. Undefeated at home. 
Uh, first time they've been this successful in South Philly or at home, wherever they have played prior to this. Um, always been in South Philly, though. But uh, 53 years, 53 years since Will Chamberlain was, you know, walking these streets. Uh, let's get to Ben Simmons a little bit because, you know, sometimes the podcast gets away from us because we love talking Sixers. But I want to start specifically with the picture that you snapped before the game with Ben sitting courtside with David mm. Robinson. Uh, we've seen other Sixers brass come through here. We've seen Sonny Hill mentoring guys. We've seen Dikembe Mutombo, Iverson, all that. But to have David Robinson, who I would assume is friends with Brett Brown. I don't know if that's the connection. Uh, I know that uh, before the game, David Robinson was also talking to Chris Johnson, mm -hmm. who's Ben's trainer. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were sitting and talking for a minute. Uh, Chris Johnson, for those that don't know, of the infamous – uh, off-season videos that we saw where Ben was silky smooth in transition. Yeah, no, no, and Chris, Chris Johnson should probably be uh, should probably buy Ben a nice fruit basket or yeah. something because he's probably raising his profile with oh. the way Ben's been looking, actually. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's getting more more work off of that for yeah. sure. But, yeah. no, I, I think that's the connection. I think it's a David Robinson thing. But, uh, no, I mean, it's it's always – if you're Ben – of course, you wanna you wanna you wanna be surrounded by that. We were there when he talked to Dr. J before. What was that game six? And then he has a phenomenal game six against the Raptors. So I mean, it, it's always good to just rub elbows with those kind of like rub elbows of greatness. I mean, you and I, I feel like are the same way. Like if I have an opportunity to talk to a really good writer or a really good sportscaster or, who, or whomever in my field, I, I want to take that opportunity just to. Just if you can get anything out of it, you're gonna take. It. Only thing I can say is I just it just was weird. You know, they're sitting on the bench. Fans are right there on the bench next to them. Like that could have been a closed door conversation. It didn't have to happen in the entire arena with everybody to see. But saying anything too secretive. Or I mean, maybe not secretive, but I don't. It, it is a little staged. Maybe it's just a little bit felt a little staged. I mean, yeah, but. I don't know. But just take it for what it's worth, right? But nonetheless, whether you want to tie it to David Robinson or not, Ben Simmons' aggression has been definitely something that we've all enjoyed. Um, the catch-and-shoot three, uh, we have to talk about that in the Cleveland game. Um, just in rhythm, cash money, not any different than the other three that he made as far as the stroke, the style, and the result because it was water from, from outside. Uh, Brett's, Brett Brown has gone on record as saying he wants Ben to shoot uh, three per game. We didn't see one, one. again. A three. Yeah, yeah I'm like. sorry. Yeah. I thought you said we were saying three. No. Three. I apologize. No, no. A, a three per game. I'm sorry because there's more to that statement. We, a free per game and eight free throws a game. And he uh, didn't take one against the Raptors. Do you make anything of that? Was that brought up in the post game at all? or? No, I think it's just a result of the game. I mm -hmm. think, again, I Nick Nurse, more so than any other coach in the NBA, says I'm taking away Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And to, it's worked to varying levels of success for them. Uh, you know, he, uh, also, uh, as Brett mentioned postgame, the Raptors play Ben tight. They, they, don't, they don't play off of him. They don't fear him. Like, like they don't, a lot of times what teams will do is because they feel like they, they pack it in. They yeah. pack it in because they, A, for the obvious reason, they know you know, the, the unwillingness of Ben to shoot, but plus they don't feel like they have guys athletically that can hang with Ben. The Raptors, for, you know, not guys that can necessarily stop Ben, whatever, but, you know, they have a guy like an Ananobi who's 6'8", who's mm -hmm. really long, who's athletic. So they have guys that they feel like 
can hang with them a little bit so so they don't feel like they have to sit in the paint and wait for him. They have guys that they want to attack with, and that's and that's the way they play the Raptors. They want to put pressure on you. They want to put pressure on, on the ball handlers. As you saw, they were very aggressive uh, Sunday night in, in the post. It, it pretty Not even just Joe. Anytime they saw anything that resembled a mismatch in the post, they sent a, they sent another guy. I mean, that's just yeah, the way it, they played. It didn't matter who it was, right? right. Exactly. Tobias, they did. Yeah. Tobias a couple times. Yeah. So that was just the way they, they – that's just the way they play. That's just the way they attack. So from that standpoint, I didn't really see an opportunity where I saw Ben Simmons where I was like, eh, you know what? He's really wide open. He should probably be taking the shot. I didn't really see that. Maybe when I go back and watch it again, I'll, I'll see it. Uh, the free throws. I mean, I, I thought he attacked. I mean, I I didn't think he was unaggressive. I oh, thought I, I yeah. didn't say he was unaggressive. I'm no, just saying know, as far I'm as the saying, jump shots. Yeah, but in general, I, I didn't I, I didn't see I, I didn't feel like oh he didn't get to the free throw line because he wasn't aggressive. I just felt uh, like just the way the game played out. I think that's just the way it goes. Yeah, Ben Simmons. Uh, n- uh, excuse me, no attempts from the free throw line. Uh, eight of eleven from the floor. Sixteen points. He and Joel combined matched Tobias Harris's output. Um, Joel Embiid now averaging five points a game against the Toronto Raptors after a donut mm-hmm. in the first game and ten points here in the second game. But a little bit of uh, maybe not redemption or payback, but Marcus Soul had a donut, so a little something for something there. Marcus Soul's offensive game has just it's 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 like falling by yeah yeah. yeah and he, I mean he off. was an excellent offensive player for a very long time. So I take not like the guy's great. Well, they've definitely but. gone away from. You know, the slower pace that would, you know, when he's doing the thing with him and Zach Randolph in the post, they kind of complement each other uh, in a way because, you know, anything Randolph misses, Gasol's cleaning up. Anything Gasol misses, Randolph's cleaning up. But he definitely has turned into more of a defensive center and a guy who periodically shoots a three-pointer. But uh, staying on Ben Simmons, I just thought in the Cleveland game, we saw more of that. You mentioned Chris Johnson, that silky smoothness that we had seen uh, there was one fall away jumper that he hit on the right side of the floor where it it, it was a, a carbon copy of what we had seen him do in the off season where he's floating away from the basket and shoots the J and it just all in one fluid motion, you know, hits the bottom of the net and he's uh, touching down on the ground after shooting it. And then just going back in transition. Uh, we saw also another jumper from the other side of the floor, another fall away jumper and a three pointer all in the same game. So that would make me think like, Oh, like we've definitely taken a step toward, you know, him shooting more jump shots and then not to see him do anything like that in the Toronto game where, yeah, the flow didn't necessarily dictate it, but we saw him being aggressive. So, I think what we've learned is that his aggression doesn't necessarily translate to shooting more jump shots. It just translates to him just trying to get to the rim more. Yeah, I think it's a perfect way to put it. Uh, and, and it's clear that, Brett, there was a game plan in place for the for this possibility of Joe, of Joe getting doubled every time and of them trying to take away Ben's drives and packing the paint. And, that, and so they executed it. I mean, really – it's disappointing with the way the game ended, obviously, because, mm-hmm. because it was just a, a disaster in the last few minutes with yeah. the way they handled the full-court pressure. And I guess in their defense, you know, do you, how often, how much time do you really spend in a practice, you know, going over that? With that said, they handled it horribly. Uh, yeah. NBA best professional basketball player should still be able to yeah, I don't, break a press. I don't know if I could leave him, let him off the hook that No, easy, I'm not. Bro. I'm not. Yeah. No, no, no. They're NBA basketball players. You need to break the press. They yeah, keep, absolutely. They keep passing into the trap. I didn't even like the fact that Ben Simmons was inbound to the basketball because you take one of your better ball handlers 
or the best ball handler out of the press break yeah. uh, offense. Maybe now I, I wanted to <laughs> – I hope it wasn't because he can't shoot free throws that well that they put him in that position as the passer because that's really such a cop-out because you're not letting them be in the moment. You give him Matisse these opportunities to be in the moment. And I probably would have taken Matisse off the floor sooner and to get a a, a true – Yeah, because he's catching it in the corner. With all due respect to Matisse, who was sensational uh, Sunday – you know, I, I but probably ho- they eventually got net- horses for courses. <laughs> exactly. Horses. They eventually got Neto. He eventually got Neto in there, which yeah. is the right move. Just get ball handlers in there at that point, especially you're trying to ice the game. Uh, I, Brett's argument was that he wanted to keep a good defensive lineup out right. there. Trading ball handlers so that's, for defense. Sure, I guess. Uh, I mean, but again, but that's not, you know, I, that's neither here nor there at this point. My, the, the main thing of that was, for the most part, they played extremely well. I mean, they built a 20-point lead. They were in control of the game for the large majority of it. So the point is that that strategy, the game plan, it worked. Yeah. You know, with with Joe, uh, Ben Simmons not taking jump shots and with Joel Embiid, you know, looking for his teammates out of double teams, all of that, it, it all worked because they they were winning the game, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's it's disappointing. Mean, I don't even want to say disappointing. I mean, yeah, I, I still would have maybe it liked to see him. It just was a clunky way to end the game. Yeah. It just oh, it was, was like, you know. It was bad. Yeah, you, you just you you're going on the prom. You put the corsage on properly. It's time to go to the dance, and you're stepping all over the date's feet. It just everything was fine. You look great in your tuxedo, but you know you uh, end up spilling a drink on her dress. Like it just it just wasn't quite what the way you wanted to end it. The culmination wasn't there. Uh, more to talk that about. Felt personal. That never happened to me. I, I, I was the, the the guy who went on everybody's prom but mine. So okay. Um, I'm, you know, I like to have a good time. Awful saying. humble break. <laughs> uh, that was uh, Ben Barry again, um, the esteemed Ben Barry. But uh, we will get to uh, Matisse Thibault's night. We will get to Furcon Korkmaz in the starting lineup once again. We want to remind you the dreams coming to reach at Wilmington University. WilmU helps working adults reach their career goals through accredited and affordable degrees and certificates to reach new heights in your field. WilmU works. Find out why at WilmU.edu. Of course, Citrus Talk brought to you by Wilmington University. WilmU works. Um, before we get to Korkmaz and Thibault, I want to talk about Ben Simmons and what I see on the court when he's there and Joel Embiid isn't. And this is the controversial part of the evening where the Sixers play a better brand of basketball when Joel Embiid is not on the floor. But not to say that he doesn't fit or can't be a vital play a vital role. He is obviously their best player. He's versatile. His defense is um, you know, unmatched, but I know I've said this before, but the ball just moves better. The Ben Simmons strengths are exacerbated more. You see him getting up and down the floor. You see more of that downhill. You see uh, him setting up guys for shots and the passes, the, the, the complimentary, you know, aspect of how the shooters complement his passing. You don't get that same opportunity when the ball sticks with Joel when he's trying to make a move or, you know, unfortunately, you know, in this game, we saw some of the bad with Joel turning it over multiple times. Brett Brown had to sub him out late in the game. But the it's just a better brand of basketball. And basketball being everyone's involved, uh, the ball touches, you know, gets moved around a lot. You know, it, it's not a slower-paced game. And that just plays the bench strengths. And if they can get out and run – 
it helps the transition game create more offense. So, you know, it's up for Brett Brown to figure it out. And maybe this is the hill that he'll die on trying to figure out how Ben and, and Joel work has been well documented that sometimes they don't fit well together. And it's just so clear and evident to me that they play better basketball and basketball not being what you see that James Harden's doing when they ISO it to death. But when they Sixers on this evening, I think 31 assists on 40 made baskets. Like that is the way that the game is played most effectively when it doesn't have to touch the ground a lot. There's not a lot of ISO. Um, you, you're passing it around and getting uh, taking advantage of opportunities. Yeah, I mean, they both played tonight, didn't they? They did both play tonight, um, but I think that Joel on the floor going three of seven, ten point, like that's not the – Joel would say that's not his most effective basketball game. You see in the Cleveland game he goes – oh, not, not in the Cleveland game. He didn't play then. But in the uh, Wizards game he goes 26 and 21, I believe it was, and they lost. And he has a great game. Uh, ben played well that game as well, but I just you thought Ben you thought they both played well in that game. Um, maybe I'm not, I'm not I'm uh, obviously I'm I'm kind of maybe rub, running things together a little bit because there's been that three was the games. Game. Joe had eight turnovers and Ben had seven. Right, right. So they had uh, 15 turnovers yeah. of the team's 21. I think that's what it was. Um, but I just feel like when I look at Joel on the floor. And him in the trans, it just it just doesn't fit the same as when, you know, you have a, a center who can run more or who can, you know, pass the ball and get out in transition a little better. Um, but your yeah, thoughts? No, it's, Danny, it's fair. And I think we've talked about it a whole bunch on the show. We've had guests on here and talk about it a whole bunch about them two fitting. And is that going to be viable for a long stretch? Can you win a championship with these two guys? As your main players, when they're when their skill sets aren't necessarily complementary, they're more. If anything, they're kind of contrasting. I don't know. Right. Uh, none of us know. Right. So you know, uh, there is a world where they kind of do complement, because the idea of they push, like I thought a big thing that happened today was, and we haven't really touched on it, is just defensively against the Raptors, they were sensational. They mm -hmm. played tremendous defense. Yeah. The Raptors take a ton of threes. They make a ton of threes. The Sixers are the best in the NBA as far as limiting teams. And, and they, the teams have made the least amount of threes against the Sixers and this the, season. And the 1-1A one one on that great defensive effort was Matisse and Ben Simmons. Um, yeah. Because Ben switching off and playing – is there, you know, Siakam, he's playing Gasol, is he's there playing a better Lowry. Player, right now, is there a better player in the NBA that switches one through five than Ben Simmons? I mean, how can you argue against it? I mean, it's I, like maybe like Draymond, right? Yeah, but he's not in the fray like he used to be. So. Yeah, I mean, but he's like a defensive player of the year kind of candidate. Yeah. I mean, but, but I'm just saying, I, I like it's it's maybe Draymond. That's like the only guy I would I could argue might be. Better one through. I mean, he he's. It's unbelievable the way this can the way this guy can do that. And to your point, when the with Gasol, he drew Gasol second foul because he fronted him in the post, and he and Gasol's only choice was to basically shove him in the back. And Gasol was complaining for a foul, and I don't know why because it was very obvious that he fouled Ben. Yeah, their um, whole team complains a lot. They are start with Nick Nurse. Yeah, they complain yeah. a lot. Nick Nurse is a great coach, but he does. Oh, uh, you got a technical they, for complaining. Yeah, they yeah. complain. They do. They they are they. And obviously, Kyle. Kyle oh. just loves to talk. Oh, Mr. Uh, see me. I'm at 20th and <laughs> Lehigh. Come see me. Um, Kyle Lowry you take uh, going young, at it with a heckler. You take the boy out of North Philly. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> As they say. Also, or, or, wait, uh, I don't want to get too far off. Uh, I'll save that for later. Oh, so, uh, yeah, so I, I, der- I derail myself from right. my own point. Yeah. Um, no, but I think there, there is a world where they can be complementary of each other, where they're pushing the basketball off of good defense. Ben Simmons is pushing the basketball, attacking the rim, and getting into the paint, setting things up for others. And then when that doesn't work out, you go to Joel on the post. Or in a, there's the other thing is, too, there's going to be different games that you win in different ways, right? Like, you're going to have games where you got to grind it out. And in those games, you might need to go to Joe in the post and just have him bully ball his way and just try to score. I mean, like, the Indiana game was a good example. That, that was an example of where... You know they tried to they tried to single Joe a little bit and he made them pay and, and he and they had to grind that game out. It wasn't necessarily Ben's best game. Obviously, defensively he comes up with the huge steals at the end, but it's 82 games plus whatever you play in the playoffs. Different nights you're gonna have different guys step up. And Saturday night was Ben's night. Uh, offensively, Sunday night was Tobias's night, and that's that's the way it's gotta go if if you want to get to where you want to get to. That's the way it's gonna have to be. You're gonna have Different nights with different guys setting up, and what a what a luxury for the Sixers to have multiple guys who can take games over on a given night. Josh Richardson hasn't played in six games, and he that's hasn't. another guy who was playing really good basketball at that time. So the they have options. Al Horford actually, I thought was quietly very good tonight or Sunday night. He just he was solid. Didn't do anything. Too outrageous. The block on Ibaka was nuts when they had that three-on-one. Yeah, that was a surprising. Um, he played that exactly right and ends up with the block, which ignites Ben the other way for a pretty layup. Um, Ben's finish finishes an assist shy of a triple-double. Uh, Joel had a rough night from the floor for sure um, with only 10 points. Uh, Tobias, you, you mentioned, had 11. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out, like you said, that, We'll see what this team can do with Joel in the lineup being Joel and how Brett Brown makes it work as time goes on. And we will be here to uh, give our critique or perspective on what happens. Um, If uh, the Cleveland game was the Ben game where he had a career high, had 26 in the first half, and really just – it was just a beautiful sight to see. If that was the Ben game, then the game against the Raptors was the Matisse game because – Thibault goes five of eight from three. Uh, we're, we're calling him a thief from this point forward because we haven't seen a rookie have this type of impact on the defensive end uh, for the Sixers, particularly in the, quite a long time. So, you know, Mathief comes off the bench, 31 minutes, six of nine from the floor. I mentioned the five of eight from three. Uh, three turnovers, but three steals. So, you know, that's a wash. But I think the thing about Matisse or Mathief, excuse me, the thing about Mathief is that I, I don't think it, it just frustrates you because you see him play this way and Korkmaz is starting. But when Korkmaz isn't shooting well, the defense is not, never has never consistently been there for Korkmaz. So why Matisse can't get some of that opportunity or why he didn't get that opportunity when Korkmaz was starting and playing Buku minutes and then he has games like these where he is hitting shots, and even when Matisse isn't hitting shots, he gives you the defensive presence. It's tough to understand the role that Brett has Korkmaz playing, but maybe you see it differently, Paul. We talked about in the last pod uh, the idea that Brett referred to Korkmaz as his wild card. So basically he starts him 
to see where he can what he can get out of him and if it seems like he's not going to get what he wants then the minutes get scaled back or what have you and he, I mean Matisse played 31 Furkan played 26 so he did play more um I mean one uh, of six from the floor for Cork Moss one of four good. from three he was not good tonight yeah, just... um and it uh, so if we're being if we're keeping it really real That's uh, if, I, if I have a bold prediction what is it this is not the roster that they're going to take into the playoffs. Oh, is that is that bold? I was that yeah. bold. Yeah, it's pretty bold that they're. De- I, I think they're they're going to make another move. They're going to right. make a move, yeah, and then, I, then when I they think make, we're on board with that. When they make that move, we're both I, bold. When they when they make that move, I think that it will be for a guy who fills a role like for Concorkmas, but as a veteran player who fills it better. I think they're going to try to look for a knockdown shooter. Um, I don't know who that guy is right now. I, I don't know. I mean, I've heard there's. There's been names out there. I think it's way too early for us to even start considering names. I don't think anyone's getting moved anytime soon. It's going to be like but, the de- they- but as we get closer to the deadline, you're going to hear names, and there's going to be guys that I think are that can help the Sixers. It's going to be like they traded for someone when Josh Richardson comes back. That's what it's going to feel Seriously? like. Seriously, because it's like and he's getting me. He's playing so good. He was, heard. and it, particularly when you're trying to fit new pieces in together and see who gels and flat out starter you know you lose him and have to fill that void so give Brett Brown credit for trying to put a band-aid on that situation until Richardson comes back but he's ailing a bit with that banged up leg and the Sixers need his production particularly on a defensive end because he frees up Ben Simmons to also be that ball hawk as well which we have documented well on the podcast but um but just to get but just real quick on Matisse yeah and and I, I think that we've said it like on every single podcast, just just play this kid. And now, it, it Brett, to Brett's credit, he he did say it after the one game. Hey, I, I need to be more tolerant. And we've seen what that tolerance level is doing. It is paying off. The kid's shooting over four. I think he's like at forty four percent from three. I mean, <laughs> so on top of and like it, you mentioned, on top of playing, running out at him, man. Oh, Kyle Lowry was. was <laughs> you talk about he hand was, down, man he down. He was complaining <laughs> on every single play that Matisse was guarding him. Yeah. So, but that, that's a credit to Matisse. Yeah. Uh, he did get the one veteran call. Did you see the one play where Marcus Soule elbowed Kyle Lowry, and they called Matisse, and he for flopped. A foul. He flopped his way to yep. a foul. Yeah. So the rest gave him one for for that, which I, you know, he's a veteran guy. He gets his calls. I get that. But no. But overall, Matisse, man, he's just been so good for a young player. His quotes were great tonight. I don't know if you heard them. Just I did. Talk. I did watch him. Um, did you feel like he was emotional there at a the podium? Bit. I mean, I just I think what's so refreshing about him is as much as he is, and I think I've mentioned this before, as much as he is a professional and he gets it, he's also enjoying it. Yeah. And it's refreshing. It's good to see a, a guy who's just taking a moment to, to realize, like you said, like, I'm blessed. Like yeah, A guy who I'm takes blessed. that moment to realize. I would never imagine I'd be here six months right, ago. Right. Right. Just a, a, a guy to, and then I think it also shows something, too, about maturity to have that kind of sense of sense of self and, and you know, and realize, yeah, I'm here. I have a job to do. I want to help this team. I'm playing well. But. I also realize how lucky I am, how fortunate I am, and how basically how cool this is that I get to do this. And he is has en- endeared himself to the team so much. He's the little brother, it, right? Everyone calls Mike him Mike Scott. Brother. Posts two pictures of Matisse <laughs> after the game and captions it Philly's son with a bunch of flame emojis, and it's just Matisse just after he hit the and one, uh, three near the end of the first quarter. It was the end of the first. It was buzzer yeah. beater. Yeah, at yeah. the end of the first quarter. 
and I think Lowry fouled him on that. He did. And, and then uh, Matisse later in the game celebrating another mm-hmm. three-pointer. So Pure Mike content. Scott, right, de- <laughs> de- de- dedicating his IG post to Matisse Thibault. Um, But, you know, we we have felt the vibe. You know, Matisse, friend of the podcast. Matisse is a friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're looking for a great-paying part-time job with flexible hours, check out 2020 Census Job. You may have another job or not. You may even be retired or looking for some extra But you can also help make sure that everyone gets counted. So apply today at 2020ncsus.gov forward slash jobs to help strengthen your community. Another back-to-back in the books, uh, Joel Embiid. Which kind of de facto load management day against Cleveland. He was supposedly hurt himself in the Wizards game, but the Sixers kind of parlayed that into him being off against the Cavaliers and then playing against the Raptors. And of course, he wasn't going to sit against the Raptors after putting up a donut in I think Toronto. The sense was that he was going to play. I yeah. mean, we don't know the severity or whatever. I will say he didn't look right in the it second half. It kind of seemed like a Wizards de facto game. low management game. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. for whatever reason, I don't want to get too far into it, but like he didn't look right in the second half of that Wizards game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was the hip, I don't know if it was, t- it was fatigue, I, I don't know what it was, but he didn't look right. I got something I want to ask you guys. It was, uh, it was born out of uh, the Kyle Lowry situation after the game. Marcus Hayes uh, tweeted out what happened mm-hmm. with him. Uh, bickering with a, a heckler, um, basically he just saying I'm from I'm from North Philly, you know, come see me if mm-hmm. you really want to want a piece of me. And in the comments, there was a guy from Ambler who was saying we don't claim him. You know, we as in you know Philly, we don't claim him. And then there was a, a person who was representing Philly proper, saying that. You're from Ambler, so how can you say we don't claim him? And then his response was, I consider anything within a 15-mile radius Philly. So we're we're from different areas, you know, sure. of the <laughs> – Look at Ben's face. Ben is from uh, Susquehanna, uh, 20th, 22nd. Where you at? 22nd and Dolphin. 22nd and Dolphin. All right. Susquehanna's the block over, bro. Yeah, don't give me that look. <laughs> I, I didn't give you a look. All right. All, everyone watching on YouTube, did I give him a look? No, because they ain't see my face. 22nd and snitching. Dolphin. He's from 22nd and Dolphin. Paul is from Jersey originally? South Jersey. South Jersey. My, fa- my family's from South Philly. South Philly. Very strong South Philly. Yeah. Guys. All right. So my thing is, like, what's wrong with being where you're from? If you're from Pensauken, Mount Holly, uh, Delco, like what's wrong with being from there? Plenty Why do you wrong with being from Delco? All right, so I gotta edit that out, but there's plenty wrong. <laughs> what? Why? Why would this dude try to claim 15 mile radius of Philly? Like, what's wrong with being where you're from? Bro? I don't. So I don't think he was wrong. It's different, but I think a, his argu- I think his argument's wrong. To say we don't claim him as a Philadelphia sports fan, I think you can say something like that. Well, yeah, of course. We, uh, we, but that's what I'm saying. So, like, we don't claim him as one of our own because you're a Philadelphia sports fan. But, like, to say it. But he doubled down on it by saying. See, no, yeah, you yeah, can't double down. The f- f- I consider anything within a 15-mile radius. Nah, see, because that's what I'm Philly. saying. That argument holds no work. <laughs> I, 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 I agree. With I don't that. know the guy. We can all be honest. He's probably fronting because when Kyle was a free agent not too long ago, 
I'm sure he wanted Kyle on the team. Oh my God, bro! I'm sure he he's one of the guys. Two hundred. If Kyle played for the Sixers, he might be the most oh, he, popular Sixer. He would one hundred percent be the most what? popular Sixer. Wouldn't even be close, uh, bro. So he can't say we don't claim him. Like, People would be in love with him and how he oh plays. My God, absolutely. Yeah, they would be down for the flops and everything. But I um, mean, from a basketball standpoint, I think they were right not to sign him. Yeah, he's making a lot uh, of money. And that, and just, and I just don't. What I do don't, you got a ninety million really, dollar contract. Yeah, I didn't really see him ever as a fit here with what they got going on didn't really make much sense at the time either. But no, yeah, if he was if they had signed him and he was a 76er and they would be all yeah, like you said, they would be on board with the with the flops, with the with the call with the with the yelling at officials, they would be on board. Cuz he plays and puts it all on the line and doesn't miss games. Did he you hear Brett charges. Brown by the way? Tell me. Did you hear Brett Brown uh credit uh give credit to Chris Paul for the for the jersey tuck thing? No. He brought it up unprompted. Oh, oh, so let's give a little background that uh Chris Paul called out Jordan Bell. Was Jordan Bell? Um for not having his jersey tucked in when he checked in for the Timberwolves. Well, first of all, if you you had to see the crazy finish between OKC and Minnesota, they were down one uh Carl Anthony Towns tries to miss a free throw on purpose, ends up going in. It's 1.1 left on the clock. They're down two. They throw a pass the length of the court. Dennis Schroeder catches it and lays it up to force overtime, and they end up blowing Minnesota out of the water in OT. But the only reason they got the free throw to pull within two was because Chris Paul called out Jordan mm-hmm. Bell not having his jersey tucked in when he checked in, and that was their second delay of game warning and ended up being a technical foul. Yep. So Brett Brown is credited to saying, like, the awareness – just like saying, like in late game situations. How, how did Brett Brown be, say it though? Well, because they were, he was asked about no, like, in his in his voice. Oh, you did, uh, <laughs> nothing. Awareness, the awareness. Uh, Chris but, Paul. <laughs> but he, he was asked about like late game situations in crunch time, and he just said like, "Say what you want about it, but the awareness of Chris Paul to be like, yo." This guy doesn't have his jersey. Like in the heat of the moment in a close game, and I hear, I see your face, and I, I hear know, you. Bro. I, I don't, don't really love it either. I don't love it either. That's a but little, I, little bit of chick, bro. It's, it's snitchy. I don't know. It's snitchy. Yeah. It's now we gotta edit that out. Thanks. Did I say something? <laughs> I'm sorry. My bad. You know, it's 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 it's, it's snitch like. I yeah. hear. I hear you. A little petty, bro. But you know, whoever takes the win, no, no. We're talking about a guy who, you know. It, We've seen Chris Paul in action, so he's willing to do anything to win. We we, we know that for a fact. Um, do, do, when you see Chris Paul, though, do you think about David Stern vetoing the trade? From do, do you think about that though? Does that ever cross your mind that he vetoed the trade of him going to L.A.? Did, do you ever do you ever yeah, think about that? You do. Sure. Okay. All right. I also it comes to my mind that he has a lot of officials that he talks to an awful lot. Oh, they hate him. I, I heard not all of them. No. I know it's, all his former teammates do. Like, he's one of the most disliked, like, teammate guys. Yeah. Because I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's the guy that coaches everyone on the floor. Right. And that just gets exhausting. You kind of get tired of that. But yeah. what I think of when people bring up Chris Paul is – Safe Farm. When, no. I know a guy that calls him – his nickname CP3. I know someone that calls him CP3 to six weeks because he's always injured when you need always him. Always banged up. Yes. Three, P six, three to six weeks. Three to six weeks. CP three to six weeks. I like it. It's pretty good. Not good as Mathief, but Mathief is bad. good. Mathief is quality. Uh, Paul, what you working on for the website? 
So Noah wrote a little something just on the Kyle Lowry stuff. And Noah Levick. Noah Levick, who does such a tremendous job for us. Uh, I am going to work on Friend of the, the podcast. Oh, one of the closest friends of the podcast. Um, uh, I'm going to have something on Matisse referred to Tobias as his, as his big brother. And there's just a little bit of that bond. And Matisse and, uh, oh, is, is, is uh, Matisse Tobias's rookie? Yeah, he said they sit together on the plane. Okay, so that has would make, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Has to be. Uh, well, Matisse, here's the thing: Matisse is like all their rookie because he's he's yeah. their only rookie. Right. So he's kind of all of their rookie. Right. But Matisse has been, or Tobias has been a big, you know, since I'm from day one. He he's been a guy who said I want to be the I want to be a leader. I want that leadership role. He's taking it on seriously. Oh, the guys Ma- respect Matisse him for said it. said that is a guy he looks yeah. up to uh, basketball-wise. So yeah. I think that is a, uh, you know, and he even said like tonight, he said like on and off the court, financially, like whatever, he, I always come to, I always go to Tobias. So it's a pretty cool little, little story, so I'm going to write something up on that. And then uh, Noah's going to have a big picture kind of thing tomorrow on some of the stuff. I don't want to get too far into it, but uh, oh. yeah. Yeah, just some big picture stuff. Okay, all right. Well, we will look for that on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. And uh, we thank you for listening to Sixers Talk, brought to you by Wilmington University, Wilmu Works. Anything else I forgot? Did I no, not to no, mention? Not a damn thing. Okay. I think we touched on everybody. So, well, there you have it. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time for Ben Barry and Paul Hudrick. I'm Danny Pommels. We love you. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.